Thank you for tuning in to Emmanuel Faith Community Church. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Oh, let's just close in prayer. That was so good. Let's just... Man, uh, what, a, what a joy it is to worship with you this morning. If you're joining us online, I hope it came through how powerful that time was. We're, we're glad you're with us also. Hey, before we jump into our time together this morning, um, I want to let you know I am in, in line with our glo- growth track that we're doing on Wednesday nights. I am doing a seminar this Wednesday at 6.30 on spiritual warfare. And it's going to take place in our chapel and would love for you to be there this Wednesday at 6.30 PM. But today we are jumping back into our series that we're calling This Is Us. And over the last few weeks, we've been trying to answer this question, why does the church exist and and what's God's plan for his church and specifically for us as Emmanuel Faith in this little corner of God's globe in this time in history. Week one, we said that we are a mission and our mission is to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus Then we said that we're a hospital, and after that we talked about the fact that we're a temple, we're a worshiping community, and then we said we're a family together, and last week we talked about the fact that we're a classroom and that we long to learn and to live out the way of Jesus together. And today we're going to talk about the fact that we are generous. The first time that supply and demand issues really came onto my radar screen was when we lost our collective mind and started to buy as much toilet paper as we could get our hands on. (laughs) Do you you remember that at the beginning of this pandemic? Can we all agree that that wasn't our brightest moment collectively as a culture, right? I mean, just as soon as it went on the shelves, it was gone. But you're probably aware that supply and demand issues are far from over. In fact, right now, off the coast of Long Beach and L.A., there are ships with containers sitting on them full of goods just being waited to deliver onto the land. Um, Stocks or prices are being affected by it. Uh, You may have noticed gas prices being affected. You may have noticed grocery prices being affected. Can I get an amen? And our collective world seems to just be waiting for goods that are offshore to be delivered to land. I think it's a good image for you to keep in your mind. Because I started to ask God this question this week. God, are there things, are there resources in my life that are sitting offshore that you want to bring to the land? God, are there things in my life that are sitting at a distance that you want to be delivered? I think it's a good image for us to wrestle with. I'm reminded of Pastor Andy Stanley's little quip. He said, whenever we're short on resources, we tend to ask God why. We ask him to deliver. We ask him to provide. But he followed that up and he said, when we have more than enough resources, we very rarely go back to God and ask why. What what do you want me to do with what you've given me. I wonder if we're storing some things, quote unquote, offshore that Jesus might be inviting us to deliver. Today we're talking about generosity, which means that at least in part, we're talking about money. No collective booze. All right, great. Um, But but like you, when I hear the K-Love or Air One pledge drive come on the radio dial, I turn the station. Who's with me, right? 
Yeah, so here's what I'm asking you not to turn the station today. I'm asking you to, to lean in because I think God has a good word that he wants us to wrestle with. I believe that most people in this room and watching online want to be generous. I believe you want to be generous. Do you know that scientists have actually discovered that, that that's wired into our brain to be generous people? But even if you don't want to be generous, here's the thing. Don't miss this. Even if you don't want to be generous, you should want to be generous. Because what they found in a recent study that they did at University of Switzerland in Zurich is that people who pledged to practice generosity showed greater increase in self-reported happiness. There was actually a connection between what they intended to do and the way that their brain started to work on a neurological level. We are wired for generosity. And I learned early on in my marriage that my wife Kelly is far more generous than I. We were um, on our very first vacation after getting married. We'd been married about um, a month and a half. And we went to visit some of her family that lived in San Diego. And we went to the boardwalk in Mission Bay. And we went into this t-shirt shop. And uh, in the t-shirt shop, there was a cashier. And right next to the cashier, there was a little tip jar. And I thought to myself, who in the world would tip a t-shirt person? And I'm just sort of sitting back, and I'm like, I'm not buying a t-shirt here, and, but I'm just judging, right? I'm just wondering, who would have the audacity to put the tip jar out, and then who would have the stupidity to put money in? Well, my wife Kelly decided to buy a t-shirt, and after she bought the t-shirt, she went back into her purse, and it was like slow motion, friends. She opened up her little wallet and started to take a few dollars out. And I was like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And my mind was blown when she put a few dollars in that tip jar. Just boom, I had found who would have the audacity to tip a t-shirt person. I'd marry her. And after we got outside, I went into a little diatribe about what did this person do to deserve a tip? Did they help you fit the shirt? No, all they did was their job. They just rang you up and put it in a bag. What did they do to earn a tip? And my wife very calmly said, if I want to be generous, please don't try to stand in my way. Woman, thou art loosed. And for the last 20 years, 20, almost 20 years, I have been doing my best to get out of her way of generosity. And over those two decades, the Lord's taught me a thing or two as well. See, we live in a day and a time when earning and accumulating is more talked about and celebrated than generosity is. In fact, there's this running um, list of the world's richest people. In case you're wondering, the richest person in the world today is Elon Musk. He has roughly $212 billion as of Thursday. <laughs> now, now, let me ask you this. Who's the most generous person in the world? That's a harder question to answer, isn't it? 
Because we'd have to go into percentages and, and it would be really, really hard to quantify who's the most generous. But I think that's a really important question for us to wrestle with because here's what Jesus said. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to what? Receive. So here, here's my translation of what Jesus said. Elon Musk may be the richest person in the world, but he's not the most blessed person in the world. He's not the most blessed person in the world. Unless we simply define blessed by how much money is in your bank account, but I would argue that that's a pretty cheap, pun intended, way to define blessing. In fact, it was uh, actor Jim Carrey who said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of doing so that they can see that it's not the answer. There is more to this life. So what if we collectively started to take the teachings of Jesus? It's more blessed to give than it is to receive really seriously. And I know that that some of you do, and some of you have for years and years and decades and decades, but not all of us do. A recent survey found that only 5% of people who go to church tithe. What they found was that The average giving unit gives $17 per week. Now, this isn't a message about tithing. In fact, I don't think that the New Testament teaches the principle of tithing. I I think it teaches the principle of generosity as if to say tithing is a great start, but don't feel bound to it. I think that's what the New Testament is saying. But we are called to be generous. To live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus requires generosity. It's a non-negotiable. See, generosity is a requirement of living in the way of Jesus. You can't imitate Jesus and be greedy or stingy. It flies in the face of what God is like. God at his very core is a generous God. Jesus is a generous Savior. And when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, in fact, I would commend those two chapters for your study at some point this week if you want to dig deeper into this topic of generosity. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9, he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that's an understatement, amen? Though he was rich, yet for your sake, For your sake, for your sake, he became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. That's our God. And if we're going to live in step with him, if we're going to live in in line with his spirit, if we're going to live in his way with his heart, we have got to take this on as one of the goals for our life and our collective life together. And in order to tease this out, what I'd like to do is teach on the only miracle Jesus did that's recorded in all four Gospels. And in order to do that, let's start in Mark chapter 6. So if you have your Bible, turn there, and then you can put your finger in John chapter 6 as well, because we're going to finish our teaching in John chapter 6, but we're going to start in Mark chapter 6. It's the same story But Mark gives a few more details that lead up to the miracle that I want you to have in your mind as we begin. Really, this story starts in verse 12 of Mark chapter 6, and it says, So that when they went out, speaking about the apostles, they proclaimed that people should repent. 
And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who, who were sick and healed them. So Jesus has sent out the apostles to do ministry in his name. They see great things happening. And then we're going to pick up the story in verse 30. Are you there? Mark chapter 6, verse 30. And here's what it says. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all they had done and taught. I mean, just a quick time out. Can you imagine this meeting with their coach, their rabbi? Jesus, you're not going to believe it. And he's like, try me. Well, well, when we put oil on them and we prayed, they were healed. And he goes, I know. God, God, the kingdom of God is at hand, right? Verse 31. And then he said to them, come away with me by yourselves to a desolate place and rest for a while. For many were the coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. They were so busy doing ministry that they didn't even have time to eat lunch. I mean, think of how welcomed an invitation this would have been for disciples, apostles who were weary, who were exhausted, who had felt wrung out like they'd given their last drop of energy to the people who were longing for a touch from Jesus. Oh, come away with me. And the disciples said, amen to that. Verse 32. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. Do you catch the vision in your head? They're in a boat rowing. And there's people... Roughly 5,000 men. There's debate about how many people were actually there. Some would say upwards of 15,000 people running along the shore of the sea. They're rowing. And right when they get there to dock, there's people waiting for them. How many of you would have turned the boat around and just gone into the middle of the sea? (laughs) Yeah, me too. How many of you have um, been just so ready for vacation at some point in your life. You got onto the plane, you sat down, there was this collective like, oh. And then the person next to you said, so what do you do for a living? (laughs) Right? I I mean, you're just going, oh, I just need a moment. I need some rest. And I think that That's exactly the feeling that the disciples had. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. This is Jesus. And he had, can you say it with me? Compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. This word compassion in the Greek is the word splakizomai. And it literally means turning of the guts, turning of, of the innards. And I think the disciples may want to stand back and go, hey, Jesus, our stomach's growling. And Jesus would say, my guts are turning. These people need a shepherd. They're lost. They're wandering. They're needy. And he longs to be the shepherd that meets their needs. I love the heart. And I've got to be honest, I love the guts of Jesus. I love that that his heart goes out to us, that when he sees us in need, when he sees us as as sheep without a shepherd, he's not a God who says, I'm too tired, 
I'm too wrung out. I've given too much. No, no, no. He says, I see you in your pain. And and I just want to say, if you are here today and you are exhausted and you are lost and you are hurting and you're angry and you're anxious, I just want you to know that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sees you today. Flip over to John chapter 6 because that's where we're going to pick up the story. John chapter 6 verse 5, it says, lifting his eyes... This is Jesus. And seeing the large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? By the way, this is the exact same question that Moses asked God in the desert. Where am I going to get enough bread to feed all these people? Jesus is sort of dancing with Exodus and he asks the very same question. And if you're Philip, aren't you going, um... You tell me. You tell me. I have no idea, Jesus. And then John tells us, oh, oh, he said this to what? Test him. Because there's no good answer to that. It's an illogical question because it's an impossible situation. Where are we going to get enough bread to feed all of these people? And just let's not miss this. We live in a world where the problems are too big for the bread that we have, right? We live in a world that, where, where things are, are unraveling, it seems like, at almost unprecedented rates. I mean, I mean, just think about what's going on in Afghanistan right now. What if Jesus said to us, hey, um, where are we going to get enough bread to feed all these people? I don't know. I don't know. What about the uptick in, in mental illness that we've seen happen in our cultural moment right now? Where, where, where are we going to get enough bread for that? What about the rising death that we see happening all around us? Where where are we going to get enough bread for that? (laughs) Philip answers, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each one of them to have just a little. Jesus, 200 days wages wouldn't be enough for everybody to have a bite. You tell me. You you tell me, Jesus, there's, there's not enough to go Around. Where are we going to find enough bread to meet the needs of Escondido, North County, and the ends of the earth? We feel viscerally, don't we? That question that Philip has to wrestle with. And then one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, now just quick time out. Don't you love Andrew? Sees Philip just pinned into this corner. Philip's like, I don't know. Uh, no idea. And, and then Andrew's like, hey, Philip, let me take it from here. Um, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? So, so Andrew just wants to step in and say something. Just fill the space. We've got a little kid who's got five barley loaves, which, by the way, can we agree this kid has a gluten addiction? <laughs> five barley loaves? Like his mom must not have gotten the memo that we moved bread off of the base of the food pyramid? My goodness! The dude's got a backpack full of bread and she's like, okay, let's make some protein in there too. Two fish, right? (laughs) I don't care. I think that's funny. I don't don't really care if you do. We don't even know this boy's name. He's this anonymous accomplice to this miracle of Jesus. He's just a boy. 
with a massive lunch (laughs) that he's willing to surrender at the feet of Jesus. And I love it. I love that Jesus' compassion, they're like sheep without a shepherd finds material, um, uh, it comes into the pages of history through the generosity of this little unnamed boy. And see, Jesus extends compassion through his people's generosity. When people talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus, we become his hands and feet as we are generous. Now let me ask you a question. Could Jesus have simply just created this miracle and fed enough people without this boy's surrender? Absolutely. He he can turn stones into bread. He can do whatever he wants, but he takes this little boy's gift, this little boy's surrender of his lunch, and he multiplies it because he calls his people to be participants in his mission in the world. And we participate with the compassion of Jesus when we extend generosity. I got a great picture of that this week. Our amazing preschool director, Jessica Feliciano, uh, contacted our pastoral staff and said, I'd, I'd love for any pastor that's available to come at lunch on Monday and to pray over one of our preschool workers. And so a bunch of us went, not knowing exactly what we were praying for, but uh, Jessica shared with us a story of one of our employees. Her name is Ruby Duran. And Ruby, for a number of years, has been dealing with kidney failure. Her kidneys are working on about 10%. She's alive because of dialysis. Jessica was the only one in our preschool who knew her story. And so she called the employees there and some of our pastors to anoint her and pray over her. See, a few weeks ago, Ruby had filmed a video and posted it on TikTok, the social media platform, saying that she was looking for a kidney. Her doctors had told her it could be years, five years, ten years before you get, find a donor. And she posts this video and it got like, I don't know, 70,000 views or something. And from that video, one person said, I'm willing to give. I'm willing to give. Never met her before. And so I'm telling you this for two reasons. One, what a beautiful picture of generosity. Two, her surgery is coming up this Wednesday. And so... Praise be to God. She's not out of the woods, and we need to pray for her donor as well. But what a beautiful picture of somebody who's the recipient of radical generosity. Would you lift Ruby up this week and just think about the way that God has been generous also to you? As I read through the story, though, about this boy, there's all sorts of things that started to flood into my mind and reasons that this boy could have come up with not to be generous. Just like Ruby's donor. I mean, there are a number of reasons not to be generous. We could probably all list a bunch of them today. I don't know about you, but I want to be the kind of person who pushes through all of those roadblocks to live in the way of Jesus with the heart of Jesus. And so I started to think, well, what does this young boy believe on some level that frees him to be generous with his stuff? Here's the first thing I think he believes. Number one, we're stewards, not owners. We're stewards, not owners. I'm not sure how cognizant he was of this, but I'm confident that he was thinking, if Jesus can use it, I will give it. If Jesus can use it, I will give it. But on some level, he had to believe it's all his anyway. I mean, I love the way that the passage of scripture, this prayer of David that we started our time out 
with this morning says it. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for, say it with me, Emmanuel Faith. All that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. It's all yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. If all in heaven and on earth is his, that means all I have is his. All you have is his. This very life is a gift from him. And what you think you own is really on loan. What you think you own is really on loan. Your friendships, your marriage, your kids, your gifts, your body, your time, your talent, your treasures, your money. It's all his. It's all on loan. And that means, here's what that means. That means we should actively be talking to the owner about how he wants us to use the stuff he's entrusted to us. If it's yours, God, then I need to have a conversation with you about how you want me to use your stuff. You're a steward, not an owner. Here's a second obstacle that I see. (laughs) If I was a boy, as big as my lunch was, and my mommy did me right that day, right? As big as the lunch was, I would have looked at my lunch and looked at the crowd and thought, what's this going to do? It's a drop in the bucket. A few people might eat and be filled. (laughs) But it's never going to meet the need that's out there. And here's the thing with generosity. Here's the thing. Is that we don't give in order to meet the need. We give what God has designed and what God has called us to give. And we trust him to meet the need. We surrender and he makes sufficient. That's how this works. That's how this works in this little boy's life. It's how it works on the grass there. And it's how it works in our church and our community today. In this story, the boy is unnamed because Jesus is the hero. (laughs) Yeah, the boy doesn't have enough to feed every person. He just has a willingness to surrender what he has to Jesus. And in doing so, sees him do a great work. I think that God would come to us. And not ask us to meet every single need. I think he'd come to us and ask us the same question he asked Moses when Moses was getting ready to go and stand in front of Pharaoh. Here's the question he asked Moses. What's in your hand? Not, hey Moses, what do you think you need in order to take down the most powerful man in the world? But just, what's in your hand? What, what, do, you, what do you have? See, you might not be able to give enough to pay off the entire kid's building and beyond. <laughs> I mean, if you do, I just want to invite you to do so. <laughs> saying. But my guess is you can give something. My guess is that you don't have enough time to tutor every single kid in Escondido who needs a tutor. But I, I don't know if you're aware of this. We're relaunching the bridge ministry this week. And could use people to tutor kids in Escondido. Maybe you could tutor just one person. See, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. If you want to see your life and your resources multiplied, surrender them to Jesus. 
If you want to see your life and your resources multiplied, surrender them to Jesus. And when we surrender, Jesus makes sufficient. He turns five loaves and two fish into enough to feed 15,000 people. Third obstacle. If I'm the boy, I've got to be honest with you, I'm at least on some level wondering why I'm the only one who brought lunch. Like there's 5,000 dudes and I'm the only one whose mama loves him enough to pack him a lunch. Where's everyone else? And I might have turned it into like a pledge drive type thing where I'm like, I've got a matching gift. I've got one fish and two barley loaves. Does anybody want to match it? Because I want some participation, right? But what the boy, that's not what the boy does, right? He doesn't look for the participation of others. He relies on trust in Jesus. That's what he does. He looks to Jesus to ask, what, what do you want me to give? How do you want me to be generous with my stuff? I love the way that the Apostle Paul echoed this to the church in Corinth. He said, the point is this. Whoever sows or, or gives or is generous, whoever sows sparingly, will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Time out. That's Paul's way of saying, you should try to make it your life's goal to outgive God. Good luck. Good luck, he says. Because when you're generous, you just find God being even more generous to you. Anybody want to testify? Yeah, it's true. And he goes on and he says, each one of you must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. See, generosity is not about compulsion. It's not about comparison. It's about conviction. And we are not all called to give the same thing, but we are called to give something. For some, we may have more time than we do money, we may have more gifts than we do money, we might have more money than we do other things, but whatever we have, we are called to surrender to Jesus for the glory of his name. I just want to share with you guys, and I am absolutely humbled, honored to pastor a church like Emmanuel Faith that has a legacy of generosity like we do. My goodness, you guys. As I've looked back on our history, I cannot find another church like Emmanuel Faith that planted a church like Mission Hills and didn't just launch them out, but, but gave, gifted a property, $20 million Emmanuel Faith gave to make Mission Hills a reality. It's theirs outright, no strings attached, but it's because of the generosity of this church. You guys, I'm blown away. For 82 years, this church has supported missionaries. You've given millions and millions and millions of dollars to see the name of Jesus made great around the world. You guys, God has done great things through the generosity of this church. It's the way that we partner with him in his compassion that he extends to the ends of the earth. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. For those of you that have given for decades... Thank you. I am aware that I stand on the backs of your generosity proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Thank you. And I'm convinced too that there are great things in store for us 
ahead. I love that we're a generous church doing things like a blood drive next Sunday, that we're a host site for San Diego's food distribution that they did a few weeks ago right on our church campus. I love that we have people in our church body packing care packages to deliver to our law enforcement agents in our town. I love that we are collecting and storing and delivering um, resources and furniture to Afghan refugees who are landing in North County. If you're wondering what in the world that pod is out in parking lot C, that's what it is. It's filled with furniture to deliver to families who have lost everything and are landing on our doorstep. But that is all Emmanuel faith people saying, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus and live generously. I love that since January 1st of 2021, we have had 120 new family units give to Emmanuel Faith for the very first time. So for those of you that are, have been here for years and years and years uh, and have been sacrificing and you're wondering, am I in this alone? I want to say absolutely 100% no, you are not. This is a mission that we are in together. And the enemy would love to seed cynicism because cynicism grows when we think we're in it alone, but we're not. This is us. We are in this together and Jesus is extending his compassion through your collective generosity. Praise be to God. And here's how the story continues. Jesus said, have the people sit down, which is a very rudimentary system, but he's going, this could get chaotic really quick. Now there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number, verse 11, and Jesus took the loaves, and when he given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. Now, at this point in the story, this nameless boy sort of just slips into the shadows. We don't read about him again. But he was on my mind as I was reading through this text. And I started to wonder what his face looked like. As Jesus started to take bread out and break it and, and it just kept going. I mean, can you imagine the feeling of being a part of that kind of miracle? Can you imagine the overwhelming sense of purpose and grace and beauty and goodness when Jesus takes your completely insufficient gift and then multiplies it to feed the multitudes? See, here's what we start to see through this little boy's life is that generosity gives us a front row seat to see God's grace in action. And friends, my hope is that you get that same feeling. If you were active years and years ago in giving to our first Beyond campaign that helped build our kids' facility, I hope you get that same feeling every time you walk out of these doors and see a few hundred kids walk out of that building after hearing about Jesus, getting to know his goodness, getting to experience his grace. I hope it gives you goosebumps in the same way that I'm sure it gave that little kid goosebumps to see Jesus use his little gift to make much of his name because Jesus is using your generosity to reach a next generation of kids with the goodness of the gospel. I hope you get those same goosebumps every time you sit in here. If you've given to help remodel this space, every time we worship together, I hope you go, God, thank you for letting me have a little part in your generosity and extending your compassion and there's something in our hearts that happens when we give 
we start to be heart tied to the mission and message of Jesus. And it is a beautiful, beautiful thing. You know, um, there's a, a couple at our church, and their name is Tom and Lori Robbins. And a number of months ago, um, they became aware that one of their friends, a single, uh, single woman, was in desperate need. And they just wanted to come alongside of her and provide resources. And so we got the chance to partner with them as a church body to meet the needs of this um, older single woman in our church. And I want you to hear a little bit of Tom and Lori's story today. My name is Lori Robbins, and we have been members at Emmanuel Faith for 18 years. I have been told that there are maybe two or three others in our church fellowship that are in a similar circumstance as, as this woman is. I've known her for a number of years, but um, then lost touch with her for a couple of years until about a year ago when we reconnected and went to lunch. And it was during that conversation at lunch that she shared with me what she had been going through the last few years and what led to her current really serious and dire situation. In one of our conversations, she said to me that she felt that the Lord had just forgotten her, and it really broke my heart um, because he hasn't. Many others came alongside to help her pack, help her move out, help her get settled in a temporary place. Um, Tom and I and others have helped with um, medical appointments, uh, physical needs. I have to say that it's been a gift. It's, it's a gift from the Lord to be able to do this. For both Tom and, and myself, um, this is, she's a sister in Christ. She's part of our family here. Two weeks ago, I was uh, looking for a picture frame and um, something caught my eye. Don't just count your blessings, but share them. And so, you know, the Lord speaks to us even at TJ Maxx. Our church has numerous ministries and numerous service opportunities, um, specifically contacting care and counseling. They could use a list of names of people who are available for emergencies, like taking someone to a doctor's appointment or picking them up at the hospital or uh, picking up prescriptions. It is a gift to be able to give sacrificially. Um, you get to know the Lord more intimately. When you talk about walking in the way of Jesus, to me, it's following after him in his way of loving each other, laying down our lives for each other, and, um, and being there uh, you know, for each other. And, and that's why I say it's a gift, because as we do that, we really find life. Mm. I love that picture of Tom and Lori saying, we're going we're gonna to step into this gap and provide, provide for the needs that are there. And so many of you do this, you guys. Some through foster care, some through adoption, some through just radical generosity with your time and serving, some through the way that you give so generously. And I just want to say thank you. If you call Emmanuel Faith Church your home, even if you don't, uh, we long to come alongside of you. And if you're in the position, in a position of need, would you just, you can go to our website and you can just click the very top. It says need help. 
question mark. And you can click there. And if you're in a position of need, we want to come alongside of you. And if you're like, like Tom and Lori and go, gosh, I would love to come alongside of people who are in a position of need, you can click there as well and get information about how you can be the hands and feet of Jesus to people. You could also just fill out the connection card in the seat back in front of you and drop it in the box on your way out and we'll get in contact with you. But friends, this is us. This is us. We are generous. And that means we understand that God uses the resources he's given to us to be a blessing to others. He extends his compassion through his people. So we view ourselves as stewards and we seek his guidance on what to give. And we anticipate that Jesus will multiply our loaves and fish to make much of his name. And we look forward to the way our generosity positions us to see God's greatness. Amen? You don't need to give a kidney or a million dollars, but I believe that God is calling all of us to give something. After all, it is better, it's better to give than it is to receive. So what if, what if this week you said back to God, God, my whole life is yours. All my stuff is yours. What do you want to do with it? What do you want to do with it? What if you saw a need? Just say, God, would you open my eyes to a need this week that I can meet? And then do it. It doesn't have to run through the church. Just do it. See what God does in your heart and soul through that. What if you started to see yourself as a participant in Jesus, extending his compassion to others? So would you take just a moment and think about how you want to finish this sentence? This week, I will. By the way, our team made these really cool little bracelets that are blue and say, this week, I will on them. <laughs> so we'd love to give you one on your way out. So you can just wear it. And then as you're going about your day and look down at your wrist, you go, oh yeah, this week, I will. What I say, I would. All right, then I'm going to do it because we want to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. So Holy Spirit, come even now. Would you prick our hearts and by your spirit lead us in the way that you would invite each one of us? It's different for each one of us, but that you would invite each one of us to be generous. We know that you're a generous God. And so if we're gonna live sent in the same way that Jesus was sent by his father, which is our mission and our goal, our desire, we've gotta be generous also. Show us what it looks like in our life today. Thank you for listening to our service. We'd love to have you join us in person. For more information about our church and service times, please visit efcc.org. If you would like to support the ministries of Emmanuel Faith, you can do so at efcc.org give.